The Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Hello and welcome to the Military Whistleblower Report brought to you by Truth for Health Foundation here on America Out Loud. I am really excited about the show today. We've got a couple new guests, uh, folks that have a story to tell they've never told before in any forum. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic ride. Uh, most of the time on the Military Whistleblower Report, we bring you some of the most hard-hitting stories, uh, some exposing things that need to be brought to the light of day. This is the platform to do it. Today's story, we will do some of that, but we're also going to take a moment and express our gratitude on this Thanksgiving day for the many blessings that we've been given. We're going to tell a story, but we're going to talk about the things as part of the story or part of our experiences, things that we are grateful for, things that we need to take pause and give thanks for. This is a special day. It's a, it's a special opportunity. It's a special story. And I am really excited to be able to share this with you today. So my two guests are Mr. Corey Terry and Mr. Rafi Nemat. Uh, they have they served together overseas and their story is pretty incredible. So I'm going to I'm going to start by uh, by introducing Mr. Corey Terry. Uh, Corey was born and raised in Lincoln, Nebraska. He's a retired Special Forces Medical Sergeant. He's now working as a DOD civilian employee for the Special Operations Combat Medic Course. He began his career in 1994 as a cavalry scout, where he was stationed at Fort Stewart, Georgia. He served in that role for nine years. He attended and completed the Airborne Training and Special Forces Qualification Course, and then went on to serve in the 1st Battalion, 10th Special Forces Group out of Stuttgart, Germany. He served in that role and as an Operational Detachment Alpha uh, Senior Medic. He did uh, overseas tours in Germany uh, and, and over Europe until 2015. Uh, and then he also did uh, tours as, as Special Operations Command uh, Combat Medical Course uh, as the non-commissioned uh, officer in charge. Uh, he has done seven deployments to Afghanistan, two deployments to Iraq, three deployments to Africa, and multiple deployments throughout Europe. He is married, uh, has a wonderful God-fearing family, six children, and three grandchildren. Welcome, Corey, to the show. We are very grateful to have you on. Thank you, uh, Commander Green, or uh, should I call you Rob, or whatever. Um, you know, it's, you know, I like, I think we had mentioned before, keep it personal. I've known you for a little bit now. Um, you mind if I just 
refer to you as Rob. Is that okay? Oh, please. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, uh, Rob Green, if I did not introduce myself to open the show, um, one, of the, one of the hosts for the Military Whistleblower Report. Uh, there's, there's a number of us on rotation uh, as we have other jobs that we, we need to do. Well, thank you very much, uh, Rob. <clears throat> Honored to be here. Uh, I know it was it was a little bit last minute, but uh, love to support any way I can. I know, you know, Truth for Health and um, the um, the whistleblower reports done a lot of great work. Um, I listen to it often, um, and I know you've been pretty integral in, in getting a lot of these stories and, and updates out to to help our veterans and military members. Um, you know, come together and and uh, resist some of the the mandates and, and other artifices of war directed in our direction that um, have been destroying careers and um, making hardships for families. So it's an honor to support you and, and Truth for Health in any way I can. And um, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. A little bit about myself. Um, you know, this is, this is a, uh, a spot for, for Thanksgiving Day. Um, and, and there is a lot in life to be grateful for. Uh, of course, very grateful for my family. But, um, you know, I was born and raised in Nebraska. A lot of people don't know where Nebraska is at. <laughs> there's a, not a whole lot in Nebraska, but there's a lot of great people there. Um, but as I was growing up, I always, I don't know what, as a child, I was always interested in the military. Always playing with G.I. Joes, wearing camouflage clothes and, uh, you know, playing, playing guns with the neighbors. And that's just what I wanted to do. And right out of high school, I, uh, I went to the recruiter's office. It's, it's a funny story because my, uh, my uncle was a, a Navy SEAL in Vietnam and recipient of the Medal of Honor um, for actions in combat. And so I initially wanted to kind of follow that path. Um, so I went to the Navy recruiter and said, yeah, I want to become a Navy SEAL. Um, and this Navy recruiter, um, it looked like to be a little overweight, had his feet on the desk, had a donut in one hand, kid you not, and a coffee in the other hand. He said, not going to happen. I can give you another job. And I said, no, thanks. Went across the hall to the Army and enlisted as a calf scout. Watched the video, didn't know anything about the Army. Um, but he sold me on a calf scout and went and did that. I, uh, so this was 94 and, um, you know, went through basic training, was, was stationed at Fort Stewart, Georgia. And, and, you know, at the time the army, you know, of course, just learning what the army was about and learning my job, I was turned out to be a little disenchanted with the military. I had six members of my platoon getting kicked out for drugs, gang related, you know, offenses and, um, DUIs, I had, you know, some lackluster leadership, um, kind of career-oriented and, and self-serving. So I actually um, got an honorable discharge, but transferred into the National Guard. You know, I have a total of 25 years of service, but uh, 20 of that was, was active duty uh, when I retired out of Special Forces. But went to the National Guard, went back to Nebraska, uh, ended up starting a construction business, very successful construction business. And... Um, uh, actually enjoyed the guard a lot better than, than active duty. It was a better group of, of individuals. Well, when 9-11 happened, I was um, 
doing doing construction just just had a baby um and was just like compelled compelled to come back to active duty but you know at this time i knew more about the military and knew what i wanted to do i wanted to serve at a high capacity or at least in my my personal ability serve at the highest um capacity i could so i went to the recruiters again said hey i want to come back active i want to do special forces and four well it's about four years later i uh made it to the special forces uh, qualification course and um and the rest the rest was serving in special forces multiple deployments but uh it's been an honor uh you know i've i've you know there's there's always pros and cons uh, to a career you know a lot of hard times missing out a lot of um your children growing up and missing birthdays and you know, holidays and deployments, you know, there was three year period where I was deployed uh, consecutively. Right. So over Christmas or Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year's, you know, missed, missed quite a bit, but, um, but it was an honor for me to serve with great, uh, great individuals doing very interesting missions and helping a lot of people. So in relation to, um, you know, uh, Rafi, who's also on here. I, uh, you know, first met him on a special forces deployment in, in 2008 and 2009. So we were working in, uh, in Afghanistan, Kapisa, you know, general, general mission, uh, for my, for my team was to interdict, um, you know, the suicide bomber network that was fun funneling, uh, suicide bombers and suicide bomb vests uh, through our valley into Kabul, right? You know, the, the, the Taliban and the enemy's mission was to delegitimize the Afghan government and destabilize um, in hopes to thwarting our efforts in the region. So did a lot of stuff there. Um, I, that's where I originally met uh, Rafi. Uh, he was, he was one of our interpreters Um and, you know, this was my first or second deployment to Afghanistan at the time and never in my time in SF met an interpreter uh, such as Rafiz. He's, uh, I'll refer to him as my brother. Um, you know, what, what a wonderful human being, you know, creation of God. He's, um, yeah, he's something special and we've remained friends ever since. But first met him in Afghanistan he worked for our team. He was, it was probably about, I don't know how I'll let him answer later, but he was probably about around 20, 21 years old at the time. And to see a man of his character and courage was very impressive. Great interpreter skills, you know, because you have good interpreters and, and not so good ones, you know, and it's very important in our mission uh, as a special forces ODA, right? Our, our bread and butter is, is integrating with the, the local population, you know, the whole um, hearts and minds thing, right, to enable us to, to complete our mission. So it's very important for us uh, to communicate um, with the local population. And Rafi was a whiz, right? So not only could he speak Urdu, Pashtu, um, Dari, uh, even some Russian, he, he knew how to convey what we were saying, not just 
not just word for word, um, but what, what the meaning was behind that. So he was, he was exceptional. He was a very exceptional interpreter. And while, you know, of course, we did a lot of uh, combat missions, uh, mounted and dismounted. And I remember the first time we did a dismounted mission, we were in a very dangerous valley and we could hear, you know, over our radio intercepts, you know, the Taliban, they were tracking our movements and you can hear them talking. It's like, hey, we're going to set up an ambush. Um, and I remember hearing a shot at the front of the formation and it was, it was Rafi. Um, he had spotted some enemy and it just struck me as odd as the, the, well, for one, interpreters normally don't carry a gun, but special forces, um, if you have trust in that individual, you will arm them, you know, to protect them and the team. And that's what Sammy did. He always put himself in front of my team between, you know, he was between the enemy and us. Um, he wasn't going to let anything happen to us unless it happened to him first. So that really hit me and struck me uh, as not only odd, but impressive, very impressive. Um, so, you know, it continued to impress me throughout the deployment. You know, he, he would do things that I wouldn't expect any um, interpreter to do. You know, he was, I remember a time that uh, we were trying to identify an important Taliban uh, target person, um, but it was in a denied area and it just couldn't go in there, you know, as a, as a combat patrol because they would just run, right? They're very, very well informed. They have a great intelligence network. So your movements are always tracked. And if somebody's important, you're trying to get um, is in the area and you come in there, they're gone before you even reach them. It's very difficult to get them. And so Sammy, Sammy, I call him Sammy. That was his name. But uh, Rafi, you know, he said, I'll do it. He said, I'll go, I'll go get uh, positive identification. Just, just let me go. So he wore civilian clothes, carried a pistol. I think, I don't know. You have to ask him. I think he carried a pistol under his, uh, his Afghan civilian clothes, but by himself with no support, <clears throat> walked over to personally identify the, the target that we were uh, trying to get. And it was just, it was just impressive. You know, he put his life on the line and not only his life, but, you know, in Afghanistan, if somebody's working for American forces, NATO forces, their families become a target. Um, you know, it's not, it's not like us where our families are, are safe at home in America and, you know, post-deployment, we go back to our families. Well, the ones that, that supported U.S. forces in Afghanistan, their families were in Afghanistan. And if it was known to the Taliban, their families were targets, which, which you know, ended up happening with Sammy and why he had to leave. But, um, well, yeah, I'm, you know, there's, you know, this is just one of many deployments I had, but this was probably um, the one deployment that I think about most often. You know, we had a lot of great, uh, battlefield effects. Um, we had a few firefights, probably not, probably not the most sporty, if you want to call it sporty uh, deployment I've been on, but definitely one of the best as far as effects on the battlefield effects against our, our enemies. Um, and it was just all due to unconventional mindset and working with the population, having great interpreters. Um, but, you know, grateful, you know, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, um, you know, I was very grateful we brought everybody home back that deployment, but uh, 
you know, the people that we had on the team, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because in my house, you know, those, those signs that you can pick up at Hobby Lobby or at home or home, home goods or wherever, you know, it's all these, you know, phrases, you know, cut out of wood lettering. I have one big sign in my house, uh, but my dining room says grateful. So, you know, it's perfect. Um, you know, that kind of sums it up, you know, for me in, in life is being grateful. And if you're grateful, you know, you'll, you know, you'll never, you'll, you'll never, one for not, right? You always find, find the best out of every situation. Um, so, so anyways, Rafi, he risked everything for our team uh, to include the, the safety of his family. Um, but I'd definitely like to get into his side of the story. Um, if, if we don't mind shifting over him, over to him, but uh, he's, he's definitely one of my brothers. Um, you know, being in the military is, has given me a world education, you know, interacting, you know, deploying and working in 41 different countries, four continents. One common theme, you know, people are the same, right? People want to, they want to get married, have children, find a job and support their families. Just want to be left alone. You know, it's a different story in the, the government side, obviously. Um, but the people are generally safe. It doesn't matter where you come from, what race, what religion, um, you have good and bad people, but generally people are the same. And that was, you know, one thing I, I learned, especially uh, with Rafi, you know, he's, he's, he, you know, he's a great, um, he, he has reverence for God and he's a great Muslim. And I, you know, before coming to Iraq, Afghanistan, didn't understand other religions, especially like uh, in Islam. Um, but, you know, he sees the same as we, we kind of mirror each other, you know, have respect for him and his faith. He has respect for me and, and my faith. And it's just good to connect uh, as human beings, you know, you know, have to do the right thing. But if we can just, uh, I'd like to get Sammy to weigh in, um, you know, with a little bit of his background and, you know, how he, his perspective on, on you know, when we met and, and carried forth. He has an incredible story. Yeah, I, I definitely want to hear that as well. Thank you, Corey, for sharing that. And Rafi, as, as you tell your perspective from, from your interactions with Corey, with his team, I definitely want to, want to hear also what gave you the courage to take that approach, to put yourself in front of the enemy, to try to protect the, the brothers in arms that were not even from your own country, that were not even of your own faith. I definitely want to hear what that was like from, for you mentally to, to come to that conclusion, to take that stance. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm just moved by what Corey says. Just, uh, I'm humbled and it's honored to be here in this great day, uh, great weekend of Thanksgiving Day, which all we are all thanks to our great fathers here in this country for this constitution, for the land that's born free, to live here and give me the opportunity to be here, live free, practice my faith, and have a brother from a different faith. Meet him in the war zone for a very short moment. It was not in a bar, it was nowhere else. But the bond, God knows that it is bond through spiritual, 
through his own piety, how Corey mentioned, and who I am, what I am is, I'm just a humble servant of God, the creature of God who was born in Afghanistan. Another human, another, if you cut me, I'll have the same red blood as you, regardless of my fate. I have red blood. I don't have any black blood in me. You can, born in Afghanistan in a war-torn country, uh, my father served for 32 years, unfortunately, for a government that was always corrupt, either on one side or on other side. But we suffered the most as a kid. So we had to flee to Pakistan temporarily. We moved back to Afghanistan in 2000. In 2005, I worked, of course, until from 2000 to 2005 in my childhood. Since 12 years old, I started working with my dad at this store, helping him assist run the business, family business, to make sure we have something to provide for the family, for the weak, women, children, and old. The men's or the providers that have to go, regardless of your age. That motivated me to be a man and stand up and do something better for the, not only for the family, but for the country, for the sake of God, for the freedom, for the freedom of the people. Not just anything I would gain or I would want to have anything from it or even a penny from it. I don't, never had this in my mind or, oh, I should be called this because I did a very tough job or mindset, but that was my life. Met Corey, met first, of course, met the army, got the interest of joining the army. American, when Americans moved in Afghanistan in 2001. The first thing I saw, we read, we knew about American, American values. We thought these American values are true to us, we will, of course. So I joined that with honor, with pleasure to serve my country and protect the brothers who came far from a different land to bring me freedom because they believe in freedom. They live for freedom and they die for freedom. That motivated me to be there and join them and serve whatever I can. And just a small little life, temporary life that I have, if I could sacrifice, it would have been nothing for freedom of the people because every man is born free. And I saw that Americans with American flags flying all over, miles away, leaving their children, wives, the kids, some of them don't make it home, die out of some terrorists back there. Their children, their wife, orphans, widows, they mourn here. But how can that would make me sit, just enjoy my freedom in the country? Or okay, they will do the job. When I started joining with the military, it was just with the army. I initially started with some high-ranked officers here, there, I mentored with them to train Afghan police. All we see was corruptions back everywhere, which is a common thing. Everybody who served, they know. Served for one and a half years with the army, which was 173rd, 82nd Airborne, in different locations. I can either name it or keep it classified. We can go in details later on if you suggest. But I met different brothers from different sites, different corners of the United States who came to Afghanistan. Eventually, when I met Brother Corey, which was in 2008, their team. I already had my duties and one thing in mind 
without any having the chance to come to U.S. or without even having the hope that one day I would be in the land of free, home of the brave and the land of the free. That's what I, I used to grow up knowing what the United States is. Living all those dreams that I could do something for my own country. Served with brothers like Corey, America's best. He did talk a lot about me, who I am, but he completely forgets about uh, himself. Um, a beautiful saying by one of the best speaker, which I really listened to. He's saying that every time somebody speaks good about you, the beauty you see in me is a reflection of yourself. So the beauty what Corey see in me is a reflection of himself. It's his fate, to his family, to his country, to the flag, to the constitution of this country. To me, call him brother, meet him in the war zone, end up here. And I still call him brother in this great events. Is a true honor, is a true honor and a true pleasure for me to be. I can go a lot in what, where, how, it's a long story. I just, uh, I don't think it's that interesting. I moved to Russia out of fear of my life, not to be prosecuted in Afghanistan by Taliban because they were looking for me to kill me. They find out my dad, they physically beaten my dad. And uh, back then, dad said that I'm dead, uh, but I had to flee the country and go to Russia and seek uh, protection. But they're just, so they survived for the service I did for the United States of America. Survived that, went to Russia, spent there six months, moved to Ukraine, spent there two and a half years, uh, been through a, a tiny bit torture of physical, mental, been detained there by their intelligence back then in 2011. They suspected that I'm spying on Ukraine for the US because I was carrying the U.S. Special Forces recommendation letters with me. They used Armed Forces recommendation letter to me. They took me to their detention facility for 48 hours, uh, tried to question me, keep me awake, to say, oh, you're working for Americans. And like, yes, I did work, but I fled my life from Taliban. It's, uh, my family is at risk. If I would have stayed in the country, they would have killed my dad. And I had no backup but to flee the country. The government is corrupt. I have to get up, but of course, in Russia and Ukraine, when you live out of the U.S., you will know what freedom is if you come back. Uh, unfortunately, 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 at this time, this age, will I see people take the granted, but I am personally very, very, very grateful and thankful for this great country, free country, great constitution, great brothers like Corey. And... The entire team I met, I do not want to name them unless they wish. All the OD members who I served, all the service members, 182nd, 173rd, 82nd Airborne, all those brothers that I served, we served. I still carry them in my heart. The bond we connected in the war zone will continue to fight the evil. We all are people of God, and I believe in the freedom of this country. All I can say is just happy Thanksgiving to all these brothers, whoever is listening. Uh, stay strong, keep the fight. Uh, I hear from a foreigner who came, he called me as a Muslim terrorist. I come from a background. Please stand with your constitution, respect it. That's the best thing you can have. 
believe in God. This country is strong with God. Because brothers like Corey, you can see the faith and the strength in them. And you know what brought freedom in this country. It was his faith, sincerity, selfless sacrifice. In numerous occasions, I have personally witnessed how the U.S. forces leave everything, put their lives at risk to protect others. They go above and beyond because they believe in freedom. Happy Thanksgiving Day to everybody. Thank you, Rafi. That was a very moving, uh, incredible story. We're going to take a short break uh, here on America Out Loud. Uh, this is the Military Whistleblower Report brought to you by the Truth for Health Foundation. Go to truthforhealth.org for all the resources you need, uh, medical, medical freedom, military resources. They have significant uh, assets available, significant resources available on their website. Um, please go to truthforhealth.org for all of that. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to continue the discussion with Mr. Corey Terry and Mr. Rafi Nemet uh, as we talk about his journey defending the values of the United States overseas and eventually making it over here to become an American citizen. Happy Thanksgiving Day. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. This is Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, U.S. Army and legal grant recipient of the Truth for Health Foundation. I want to give a huge shout out to the Truth for Health Foundation for helping me and my family over the past year with our legal battles. Recently, I was court-martialed for not participating with these experimental COVID-19 emergency use authorized products. If it wasn't for Truth for Health Foundation and all the support, I would definitely be in a worse spot. But because of all the support, I'm able to continue uniform service, fighting for what's right to protect the Constitution against enemies, foreign and domestic. God bless each and every one of you, and God bless America. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. We are America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com, where we're healing America one person at a time. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? 
Well, now there is, and it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. Welcome back to the Military Risk and Global Report. Brought to you by the Troops Health Foundation here on America Out Loud. My name is Rob Green. I am your host. I am joined by Mr. Corey Terry and Mr. Rafi Nemet. Uh, we are discussing uh, some of uh, Corey and Rafi's uh, journeys overseas. They're uh, becoming uh, bonded as brothers in the course of uh, fighting in Afghanistan. Um, Rafi served as an interpreter for multiple uh, American units overseas during the war in Afghanistan, uh, eventually escaped. He was de- describing to us how his family came under attack. Um, and if he did not flee the country, uh, they would have killed his father. Uh, he escaped to Russia. Uh, he described um, journeying to Ukraine uh, and being held captive there, um, describing uh abuse and, and, and some torture, uh, and trying to, um, base, it sounds to me like frame you Rafi for, for, uh, working for Americans, um, there, uh, it, by the Ukrainian intelligence forces. What I'd like to, to ask you now, um, especially in light of this being Thanksgiving day, I, I would like to ask you about your ongoing journey to America, your thoughts, your feelings about becoming an American citizen. It's, it, it sounded like it once you came over in, in 2013, it sounded like it took another eight years for that to happen. And then if you could, you, you and Corey describe being reunited over here in America as American citizens. Um, over to you, Rafi, to continue your story. Thank you so much, Mr. Rob. Uh, it's a honor again to speak and I apologize for being ahead of Corey. He's my brother. I respect him. I do not want to do anything ahead of him. Uh, it's a honor anytime he speaks because his experience and his life stories are even more interesting than me. Uh, when I moved to the United States in 2013, uh, it was March 2013, I moved here with an American dream. I had great belief and hope and faith in American value, which was the freedom, the First Amendment. Again, when we talk about American freedom, you have to know a little bit becoming the U.S. citizen that this country stands with Constitution, and that is what we believe in. Believing in that, and there's nowhere in the world you can find this freedom, which is, that is the greatest value any free man would look forward to have. 2013, I was honored to be in this free land. Took until 2021, eight years for the Department of Homeland Security to process the paperwork. Although I have done a two and a half years of wait time for the Department of Homeland Security while I was waiting in Ukraine. It, it, it's 
it was a long journey of working different places, no support. Connecting back to Kuwait was in 2014. Uh, we were always in touch. Uh, he's, he's, again, there's, there's a lot to say about brave men like Corey, like himself, that he's, he's very humble brother. He purchased even my tickets to fly to his place. And it was a honor to stay in his house for seven days, uh, while he still, he was serving the country and he was nothing but a great motivation of freedom, a symbol of freedom for this country. And why this country is free is because of men like him who puts their life at risk, go serve. So even people like me can come to this country and be thankful and grateful and enjoy the American value of speak your mind without being prosecuted because you have the constitution standing and defending you. You have every right that is God's gifted for this land and for great fathers of this country who built the country for us. I'm, I'm just grateful since 2021, becoming citizen, own my small little business, uh, worked in a few little places, uh, but thanks to God, by the grace of God, I own my small little dealership. Uh, I run that, and recently I served for two months uh, in another operation, which was this uh, bringing back Afghan allies who were left behind in Afghanistan, which was the Operation Allies Welcome. I was honored to serve there for another two months again to make sure that our nation, our nation is in very secure condition, that nothing slips in or comes in. Still, there's flaws and faults here, there. We see it on our daily life. Uh, but again, uh, the having the value in this country, which is the freedom of expression, is the greatest value that any man can obtain anywhere in the world. You cannot find it in anywhere in the world. Um, if we stick tight to it, if we stick, we get a hold of our constitution and stick rightful to it, I think uh, we will do a lot better and the country is free. Uh, let's keep our free country so we can enjoy many more Thanksgiving Day with great brothers like Corey, uh, who made it safely home. And uh, I will turn the talk back to brother Corey, uh, who's there in line. He has better things to say than what I can say. Now, Sam Rafi is too kind. He's, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Rafi uh, is, is a, a, a unique and rare individual. Um, and, and you can tell as he talks, he's, he's very humble and likes to give a lot of compliments, uh, which I appreciate. But uh, he definitely undersells himself. Um, he went through a lot. You know, he talks about going to Russia and Ukraine, but the journey... Uh, to get to Russia. The journey from Russia to Ukraine was some of the darkest times of his life. And, uh, and I know maybe he doesn't want to go into the details, but when he personally told me the story, I just, I couldn't imagine, um, you know, especially in the winter time, you know, walking through the snow over miles and miles with, with no winter clothes to, to not really know where he's going or, um, you know, if he's going to be okay or his family. I mean, there was a really dark period of his, his time in um, on this earth. And uh, he, you know, he pushed through it. He's uh, 
know, he's, he's, he's got a lot of, you know, his great character and, and strength, inner strength, mental toughness. Um, you know, I was worried about him for a while. I didn't hear from him for a little bit. Um, and then of course, you know, hit me up, uh, probably on email if I, if I can recall and said, he's, he's doing okay. And, you know, he's working, um, trying to seek asylum and, and of course trying to help him all the way. But, you know, uh, the work, it was funny because when he's talking about, you know, being in Ukraine and the, the great work that he was doing there, he, he was, he was working as a linguist. Um, and, you know, it was, he was interviewing Afghan refugees, um, getting their stories uh, for a publication. Um, and, and I think that's my opinion, I, maybe his opinion too, is that why the intelligence services picked him up? Um, because it was bringing some negative light to what was going on inside Ukraine. Um, so they possibly saw him as a threat, you know, whatever, whoever, whatever else pin, pin the term spy or whatever. Um, but they obviously wanted him gone. Um, but yeah, when, when he came to the United States, I was, I was super, super happy um, that he, he made it here uh, along with that. His family was okay. And they were not, uh, in danger in, in Afghanistan, but, you know, continuing the, the, the relationship, I remember, oh, this was years back. I was still, uh, still active duty and he, um, he, uh, I actually had him come out to North Carolina to visit. It was great to see him. I remember I hadn't seen him for years, but it was just like, just like we had just left you know Afghanistan so it was it, you never really you know it was hard to fathom the fact that all right so back in time in Afghanistan you never think that your interpreter would meet you at your house back in the United States you know be over for dinner and discuss you know what happened and reconnect it just never entered my mind so it was kind of surreal very very thankful so, so can you, can you describe for me, Corey, if you could describe for me the, uh, the way that you guys reconnected, it sounded like it was an email initially, uh, and then it sounds like you tracked uh, Rafi's uh, journey from Ukraine over to the United States. Were there any ways that you were able to help him? Um, could you describe that, that reconnecting, how you were able to reconnect and, uh, and what that meant to you? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, obviously when phone numbers change, you, you use the, the email. I think email was the initial point of contact and uh, getting the new phone numbers. But I, you know, I wish I could have done more for Rafi. And he's one of those humble guys that uh, he's not going to ask for something. Um, he's just, he's just, he doesn't want to impose on people. So you really kind of have to pry. It's like going to the dentist, right? Getting that tooth out. You gotta really got to pry. Uh, Adam, you know, if, if you need help, just let me know, you know, whatever way I can, whether it's write a recommendation, contact my congressman, um, you know, whatever way, do you need some money? Do I need to send you anything? Um, and he would never ask for something. And you know, I remember, um, I think it was when he got to California, I think he was having difficulties getting an email because he didn't have a computer. So I, 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 uh, I was like, I got a computer for you. I'll get you a computer. But I just remember saying, 
I, I think at that time he had a phone number and we were, you know, talked and text and, and I was like, look, I'm just going to get you on a plane. You come out and visit. And so when he came out, you know, after those years, it was like, again, like it was surreal. And it was, um, I just couldn't believe it. He was, he was actually here. And, and, you know, we never, never, there might've been some periods where he was working or, um, or I was deployed or busy and, you know, drop off, but it always came back. Um, and you know, what's interesting uh, about Rafi is that when you meet him in person, you, um, immediately feel comfortable. You know, he's, he's, he's very warming, got an incredible heart, but the family, right. So my kids, you know, they, you know, and when he was here last time, my two-year-old, they take this, they take the Rafi like he was part of the family for years. You know, it's just that instinct of this incredible human being. So, um, it's been, it's been a joy to keep him as a close friend and, um, try to get him back out. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, we've always kept in contact and, um, I, I always tell him if you need help, you know, just reach out. Very, That's very fantastic. human being. That's fantastic. So I'll, I'll go over to you, Rafi, and ask you about, uh, some of what you did for the human rights watch, um, for some of your work, uh, in Ukraine. It sounds to me like you were essentially doing whistleblowing, um, interviewing and getting the stories of, uh, of the refugees that were the Afghan refugees that were there in Ukraine long before the military whistleblower report was a, a twinkle in any, any of our eyes. Uh, it sounds like you were already doing that kind of work, uh, helping um, record details for, for the book that eventually put you on Ukrainian intelligence uh, radar essentially. Uh, could you describe some of that work um, and what you were trying to do to help uh, Afghan refugees there in Ukraine? So thank you so much for giving me the time to speak. Uh, and again, once again, I'm honored for whatever Corey is calling. Uh, I'll tell to Corey that my brother, the beauty you see in me is a reflection of yourself. Uh, I'm humbled uh, by uh, your kind words. I don't deserve that. Um, Back to you, uh, Mr. Rob, in, uh, in Ukraine, so the United Nations is who's, who is there that are involved with, uh, um, since it's, this is like when you call about whistleblowing or whistleblower, uh, United Nations is involved and everybody now should know who the United Nations are. Uh, well, the United Nations had partnership with a company called Hayas, which is um, also owned here and they're stationed in New York and Human Rights Watch was stationed in D.C. Uh, and I, we had some few people. There was a Russian woman who came from Russia branch, a Russian branch location that she was working in capital in Moscow. And they were running a so-called Human Rights Watch organization there, a small office, which was run by UNICEF. And what they would do is just go around and try to find, <coughs> excuse me, try to find flaws in a system to list of what my perspective were back then. And of course, as you said, being detained and we will get back to it uh, soon. Uh, when the human rights, the Hayas office was the first one to contact me, they told me that there is an organization named uh, Human Rights Watch. They are trying to make some report uh, into the detention facilities, which are located into the borders of Russia and borders of Europe. 
uh, and I have to travel with them to these borders. And back then, I did not have legal, real legal documents to travel in the borders because I would have been detained because of my skin color. Because Russia or Ukraine are very racist unless you're, you have really, really, really like blonde hair and really white skin. It's like other than that, you are a target regardless what, even for the locals. They will inform their law enforcement that there's a black headed or dark headed. That's exactly how they say. <laughs> Excuse me. So they suggested that I work with them. And uh, the director of Human Rights Watch called me from DC, from a US number in Kiev, and he said they have a mission to do some uh, research in uh, Ukraine. But of course, they were guided by Hayas, and I have the names Hayas or UNICEF. United Nations that they came basically through their authorization. But I was surprised that when they came and they said, I can go with them to the borders and I asked the director, I was like, I can't travel. They said, oh no, we talked to the, some Ukrainian law enforcement uh, that they will authorize you even basically as an illegal immigrant to go to the borders. I was surprised, but then I was like, okay, this guy's from US and he's an American and he started taking the responsibility. Older guy, he was director. I know his name, his information, and all the details. So they, we went to every single detention facility and talked to every single detainees there, either like, okay, how are you tortured? Who's your torturing you? Who's influencing here? Who has more influence? Is it Russian? Is it Ukrainian? These were the questions that even they would ask uh, because I do speak Russian, and basically the American Human Rights Watch would ask these questions from the Rus Russian girl who was working in Russia and was our assistant. Basically, she was Russian interpreter, interpreter. So she was the one just going through this question, like, you know, who has more control here? Who has more language here? Who speaks more Russian or Ukrainian? These type of things were in the European borders and I was just going around and see. But what they did is they published the book and in that book they have mentioned, uh, mostly it was uh, about like, oh, how Ukrainians are treating their detainees badly and putting them in prison and torturing them. So I think three months into the publishment of this book in US and Euro EU, uh, the, it was just a few guys that were the Ukrainian intelligence service that they stopped. When I was buying shopping and they asked my name, last name, I was like, yeah, that's me. And they showed me their badges, like, you got to come with us. I'm like, where to? And what did I do? And here's my document. They're like, no, you have to come with us and let's go. So they took me the first, they questioned me, how did I came to Ukraine? What is my intention in Ukraine? Why do I carry American documents with me? And I'm like, well, this is I serve because I'm waiting if I get opportunity or a visa for the U.S. Embassy to go to the U.S. because I serve with them and I flee my own country. Uh, there is nothing I have to do. But then they question, like, oh, you work here for other people too, like, you know. And when they questioned about, like, oh, you're going to the borders and stuff, you know, I know I've never been, but I did immediately contact the Human Rights Watch. They hired uh, a few attorneys. They paid, uh, like, $3,500 for me to relocate somewhere else. I had to relocate. And then I think that also sped up a little bit the process of, their paperwork to just call me and because I was in a almost in a restraint restraint order within in the key because when I was flying out I had to pay another like eight hundred dollar 
basically to get deported or get the stamp on my passport that I'm leaving Ukraine. So this was the story of Ukraine and their doubts and the service, what I did. I work with United Nations, UNICEF, HIAS office, IOM, which is International Organization for Migrants. And of course, when you lo look at the logo and their connection, it will lead back to United Nations. So they are part of United Nations who had this involvement even in 2012, and they had that a while ago. But in 2013, I was there that Russia left, Russians kicked those uh, Human Rights Watch out of Russia, that they had no more office there because the government said, we don't want you anymore. So this is the story of what uh, I had, and I will turn back to you, Mr. Rob, or Brother Corey. Yeah, th thank you for that. That's incredible. It sounds to me like there is a lot more to dig into there, and we might have to have you back on another military whistleblower report to, to further talk about some of your experiences. Um, but as we come to uh, the close of our show, I, I want to give you both one more opportunity to, to share any final thoughts that you have, um, especially anything that, uh, that gives you pause on this Thanksgiving Day, thing, things that you want to give thanks for or, or discuss. So over to, to you first, Corey, for, uh, for any final thoughts. Thanks, Rob. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we've we've kept in touch and, and we've seen what's been going on over the last couple of years. And somebody asked me this question a couple of weeks ago. You know what? You know, you know, what have I gotten in the last two years? And, I, and to be honest, it's, you know, what I'm thankful for uh, out of the last two years. And, and again, always family, uh, families, families, my rock. and. Um, Faith is a rock too, but it's the people that come together, right? So when, and again, these are my opinions, nothing, um, not, you know, you know, it's not the armies, it's not the Department of Defense. These are my opinions, but, you know, with these, these mandates coming down and seeing how it, it uh, affects service members' careers and, um, well, literally in some cases destroys careers and disrupts um, families or at least makes a hardship for a family. It's just, you know, it's a lot to be, I guess, kind of sad about or upset about. But the great thing is the last couple of years has brought a lot of amazing people together. You know, the networks and the relationships that we've um, built, you know, like, you know, getting to meet you, Rob, at uh, Mark Bashaw's court-martial, you know, it's great. You know, it's one of my my highlights in the last couple of years, um, going there and supporting and meeting you guys. Um, but to see, to see that there are great patriots, you know, there's uh, great people like Rafi and, and they want to, you know, provide, you know, that hope and, and, and see that, you know, our freedoms um, across the board are, are kept ours, you know? Um, and so there's been a lot of amazing effort, a lot of amazing people, I'm thankful for these these uh, relationships and these networks that I now have over the last couple of years. But um, but thank you very much for for having us on, and I'll let uh, Rafi have the last word. It's an honor, my brother Corey and uh, Mr. Rob. Uh, thank you so much. I'm uh, I'm very thankful and grateful to be in this great free country. This is to me one of the grateful. A greatness that I have at this time is to be free in a great land, meet great brothers, 
in the war, keep that connection and it roots in the heart and the soul that is unsuppressible. We call them band of brothers from there. I'm thankful for all those band of brothers that who served together, who left their families all the way overseas to go protect somebody else in the mountains. I'm thankful to be in, in, in such a great country which the freedom rises and it is the home of the Braves. Thankful to you all. Thank you, uh, uh, Mr. Roth, for having us. Thankful to you, to you for giving us this opportunity to speak out. And uh, very grateful, very best, blissful, and thankful to Brother Corey to have me as part of him. And I have him as my brother in arm and brother in fate, brother in freedom. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Rafi. On behalf of all of the America Out Loud listeners, here. I'm grateful to both of you for being part of this military whistleblower report. Um, you know, Corey, for, for uh, having met you earlier this year, I am incredibly grateful. Um, meeting at Mark Bashaw's court-martial, a court-martial of someone who has incredible courage to stand up for the Constitution, that is a, a story that we need to explore some more, you and I. And then Rafi, incredibly grateful. You are part of a new generation of American heroes. Um, uh, an immigrant to the country in an era where uh, that is, is pretty politicized. Uh, and, and you did it the hard way. Um, you, you earned it the hard way. You were defending American values before you were even an American. And all of us uh, owe a great debt of thanks to you for standing up for the constitution before it was even your constitution. So thank you very much, Rafi. On this Thanksgiving day, uh, we give thanks for these two, for all of our blessings. Uh, we thank you, the listeners, uh, here on the Military Whistleblower Report, brought to you by Truth for Health Foundation on America Out Loud. Thank you for being with us. I am Rob Green, and we will see you on the next Military Whistleblower Report. Whistleblower Report.